Hi, this is Tom Field, Editorial Director with Information Security Media Group. The topic today is banking. We're talking with Christopher Williston, President and CEO of the Independent Bankers Association of Texas. Chris, thanks so much for joining me today. Delighted to be with you, Tom. Hey, Chris, why don't you just set the, the tone here and tell us a little bit about your association and your member institutions. Sure. Uh, the Independent Bankers Association of Texas is the largest state uh, a banking association for independent community banks in the country. We represent roughly 2,000 banks and branches uh, throughout Texas. And then we have affiliate organization in, in uh, Oklahoma as well that we uh, uh, that we do a lot of corresponding with and, and assist them and in, in, in the community institutions in Oklahoma. But we're, we're a Texas-based organization and 35-year um, history uh, and um, uh, it's uh, you know strictly uh, totally dedicated and concentrated on uh, uh, the best interests of community banks and their shareholders. So, given everything that we've seen over the past two months, how would you say your institutions in general are impacted by the global economic issues that we're hearing about on the hour? Well, Texas is kind of unique. Um, Tom, you probably recall back in the 80s, we, we kind of went through our own economic crisis while the rest of the country was doing well, and what we're seeing now is just, you know, totally, totally opposite of that. Um, the Texas economy um, remains rather robust. Uh, we're, we're diversified, much different than we were in the 1980s. And uh, obviously, we're we're sitting here in the Sun Belt, where we get substantial uh, job growth and creation, and and uh, good industry that continues to move uh, into our state. And so, uh, we're a little bit different than the rest of, than the rest of the country right now. But that doesn't mean that we won't uh, that there won't be some some real ramifications for us moving forward. I mean, with, with everything that's going on in the global economy today, uh, you you know, no financial institution is going to be. Uh, insulated from 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 what we're seeing, um, the trickle down effect of the credit crunch, uh, availability of of uh, uh, you know confusion of customers, and all of the issues that you hear in the rest of the country, we're still experiencing. But we we have not had um, you know massive foreclosures. Uh, community banks in Texas hadn't participated uh, in in uh, in subprime of any kind. Uh, and you know, for the most part, they deal in, in whole loans, and so generally, we're uh, you know we're doing so much better than the rest of the country. But clearly, we're not insulated. We're going. We've seen the effects uh, and customer uncertainties, and and obviously, uh, uh, as a result of that, I think community bankers are, are very. Uh, while we remain optimistic, we also remain very cautious. Well, let's talk about that topic of customer confidence. I'd be curious, one, how has it changed in the past year for your member institutions? And, and two, what are they hearing from their customers, and then what are they telling them? Well, uh, they're, what they're hearing from their customers is, is uh, uh, just what you might expect. Uh, there's, you know, I think there's so much confusion out there with the media. Um, the term banks is used rather loosely. Uh, you know, there's no distinction made with, you know, what's going on on Wall Street and what's happening on Main Street. And so as a result of that, when, when the media uses the terms banks and banks are in trouble and banks are going to go broke and how is your bank doing and all of those kinds of things, that, that, that really is, has created some, some, uh, massive customer uneasiness. And, 
<clears throat> our people have really, we, what we've done is encourage them that this is a wonderful time to, to really get closer to their customers. Uh, community bankers are, are generally closer to their customers. They, they know them. Uh, they, they, uh, they lend to people, uh, that they know. And this is an, a wonderful opportunity as we see, uh, everything else going on to really distinguish themselves from, from what's happening in the, the other larger financial institutions. Um, and so I, I, we've, we've really encouraged them to, you know, take the time with each customer, explain uh, exactly what's happening, train their staff so that they can deal with those routine questions that are coming across the new accounts and the teller lines, and uh, use this as an opportunity to, to say, you know, this bike is doing fine, and uh, uh, we just, uh, uh, you know, we're, we, you know, we're not like the rest of the industry. Um, We've encouraged our CEOs to be aggressive in, in sending messages out by uh, with newspaper clippings and advertising, and others to just to talk directly to their customers about how well the bank is doing and uh, what's going on in the local community, and really trying to, to use this as an opportunity to to create a, a safety, a flight to safety niche, if you will, for their institution. Chris, of all these different methods you talked about, have you found any that have been particularly effective in, in reaching the customers and instilling greater confidence? Yeah, I've, we've seen some banks go as far as having a, having a, a webinar about every uh, at least once a month uh, since all this has happened, just to to tell customers, uh, you know, what's happening and and how that might affect, uh, um, you know their own personal situations, and and really to use that opportunity to talk about the bank specifically, how well the bank is doing. Uh, to CEOs, the, probably the most effective I've, that that we have seen time and time again, uh, at least reported to us by our members, is just a direct letter from the CEO to the community that's in the local paper or into the into the local community that talks specifically about the institution, why they're different. Uh, why they're not experiencing the same problems as some of the others, and and why um, you know customers should feel good about continuing to bank at their institution. Very good, Chris. Given the uh, the economic conditions that much of the country is facing right now, do you find your institutions are any more susceptible to to vulnerabilities such as phishing, social engineering, and some of what I'd call opportunistic crimes? Yeah, I tell you that's that's the real Achilles heel out there. I think. Uh, you know, it's uh, the unfortunate part about uh, what's what's going on in the, in the economy in general is that you just you're a lot more susceptible to these types of, of situations. We've just in the last three weeks, as a matter of fact, we have dealt with um, two very big rings here in Texas, a uh, fishing ring uh, that has uh, really plagued a number of our financial institutions up in the Dallas-Fort Worth metroplex. Uh, very sophisticated. Um, you know, involving robo-calling and, and all kinds of things, encouraging customers to disclose account numbers and social security numbers and and really stealing the identity of the bank, if you will, to, to give those customers that, that type of uh, um, comfort to, to actually give them some, some of that information. And then, and then I, you know, the other thing that really is hitting a lot of our banks hard right now is just debit card fraud. I think you've got a lot of merchants out there that... Uh, Certainly, don't take the, the same care of uh, protecting customer information. Um, there's breaches in their data, and as a result of that, we're seeing, uh, you know, proprietary card information being uh, being given or sold to uh, to someone one of these uh, crime rings, and 
and a lot of losses associated with debit cards right now that we're trying to uh and we're going to have to go back and address with with some state legislation to to try to keep everyone in that chain accountable for for any breaches that they might have yeah. right now it just falls falls on the financial institution which is seems seems somewhat unjust yeah i'll say that the breach isn't yours but when it comes back to it it comes back to the bank absolutely absolutely and 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 it really is I think it's you know it's everybody needs to take some responsibility to protect the customer's information. I think I think legislators are going to demand that with um, you know all of the the new privacy uh, legislation and everything that we're. I think it's going to there's going to continue to be an emphasis on on um, you know protecting customer information. Now, Chris, one thing that I hear talking with banks around the country is despite the economic conditions, there's really a lot of investment in new and enhanced services. So I wanted to ask, with the institutions you speak with, what are some of the immediate business objectives of these institutions? Well, I think the immediate business objective is, uh, you know, right now they're trying to they're trying to figure out exactly what they need to do with the uh, with the changing financial services marketplace, I mean, just trying to figure out where their niche is going to be. Uh, right now, uh, most of our, most of the CEOs that, that we talk to have, have have really had to keep their uh, strategic plans very short term. They're dealing with, you know, whether or not they're going to uh, uh, let the let the treasury invest in their banks. They're trying to figure out whether or not they're going to they're going to uh, bear the costs of enhanced uh, deposit insurance for their customers, and all of the things that uh, that are happening as part of the so-called bailout that have caused them to really sit back and think about what is the future of our institution, where do we want to be, and what are our competitors going to do, uh, because there's so many competitive implications for participating in one or more of these programs. So, <clears throat> you know, from a business strategy standpoint, I think right now it's rather short term. Long term, I think that most everyone is looking at this as a wonderful opportunity. I think what this has done, probably more so than what we've we've ever had in our history, Tom, which I think bodes well for the industry that I'm in, it gives the community banks an opportunity to really uh, segregate themselves from the rest of the industry, that we are different. We know our customers. Um, you know, we're not facing massive closures of community banks. Um, and you know, is it really? Uh, does it make sense that we might be regulated the same way? Uh, if I'm a two hundred million dollar institution located, you know, with about three or four locations that have the same as Citibank or Citicorp or Chase or uh, you know any of these folks. So <clears throat> I think that the long term, they're seeing this as a wonderful opportunity to get closer to their customers, and more specifically, to use this as leverage to go back and plead their case that we need to make some some pretty substantial um, changes that uh, that really uh, demonstrate that this you know uh, legislation or regulation is not a, the environment we're in is not a one size fits all. It's got to be uh, it's got to be different. Well, you make a good point. You mentioned the Treasury investment. You know, we saw a bunch of major banking institutions receive billions from the government over the past couple of weeks. What are what are your member institutions talking about? What do they need, and do they need this kind of investment to improve their liquidity, or is it something that, that they want to steer away from? Well, uh, you know, there's there's been so much. Uh, well, first of all, they don't need it. I can tell you that right now. I think you know most of them generally on the surface would look at this and say, 
uh, you know, that having the government come into a private institution um, is just not something that, that makes much sense for me, and I don't want any part of it. And then, um, then you know, as 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 the the industry's evolved over the years, uh, capital is hard to come by. Um, you know, people, we're, we're in tougher economic times. Uh, some of the traditional sources for capital, through the Federal Home Loan Bank or through uh, tr- the issuance of uh, more debt, trust preferred securities, whatever those those types of things are drying up, and so they're taking a second look at this and saying, is it? You know, this may be an opportunity for us to get capital in the time that we might, even though we might not need it now, but uh, it might serve us well later, particularly as we look to expand and the opportunities that might present itself as a result of the tougher economic times through acquisition or some other things. So I would guess out of our you know, roughly 550 bank members, um, I would say that probably 25 to 35 percent are really taking a serious look at it. Because we had big news the other day, we had the election. Uh, we've got a Democratic president-elect now and a Democratic Congress. What's this mean to the banking industry in general and to Texas institutions in particular? Well, uh, nobody really knows yet. Uh, you know, generally speaking, if I, I can, I'm just now going my 32nd year into the industry, and. Um, as I have seen uh, Democratic and Republican administrations come and go, it's it's been a mixed bag in terms of. I think it creates opportunities regardless of, of which party might be in power, for, uh, depending upon what you're trying to accomplish. And you know, generally speaking, the um, uh, community banks are unique. They they are the little guy. Um, they are they're the friends of uh, of many of the constituents that that actually elect these folks and and. There's a generally high regard, whether you're Republican or Democrat, for community financial institutions because they know they're unique and they know small towns and and communities throughout this country would not exist without a community bank. And so uh, we fare pretty well regardless, um, you know, because we are the little guy. And I think people know that uh, we're the economic engine for what goes on in local communities throughout the United States. So... I think we're going to be. I think we're going to be fine. I think there's going to always challenges. Um, you know, obviously, with the, the government involved in more of these institutions, there's going to be a tendency to to try to uh, overregulate at a time when, uh, in some cases, uh, deregulation may be in order. Um, there's going to be uh, probably more temptation to tax uh, and tax greater when, you know, if if we're really looking for economic stimulus, is that really the the right strategy? But you know those things are uh, those are things we deal with every day, both on the state and federal level. That uh, and that's why we exist. Uh, they wouldn't need me if 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 we didn't have those kinds of issues. Oh, good point. Uh, it's tended, you know, democratic administration has tended to lean toward regulation. I think everyone you know, has been talking about you know greater scrutiny for financial institutions, whether that's fair or unfair. What type mm-hmm. of regulation do you think we'll be talking about in two thousand and nine? Well, clearly they're going to do something on the on the on the mortgage markets. Um, you know, that it just goes without saying. That's uh, the subprime meltdown is is something that uh, that they're going to go back and and, and really take a hard look at, at the way that these government sponsored enterprises operate. And that's you know that's only normal. Um, as I said, most of our institute, most of the community financial institutions though are you know dealing whole loans, and so they really. Really, uh, our originators are not really uh, people that keep those mortgages and services in long term. Um, clearly, we'll see something in that regard. 
you know, the issue we talked about earlier. I think there's there's still a great um, deal of concern out there in terms of of data breach, protecting customers' information, identity theft, um, you know, cyber crimes associated with financial institutions. Uh, those are all major concerns that I think uh, we've seen the tendency for state and federal legislators to try to overregulate. Um, that's clearly going to be, and then and then we're going to look at uh, probably in this next session of Congress, uh, perhaps a whole new regulatory scheme for for community financial institutions and for all institutions. Um, you know, there's talk about a suit one super regulator. There's talk about uh, eliminating certain regulators uh, or certain charter types. Everything will be on the table, and so I think you know rather than us looking at piecemeal regulations, we're looking at wholesale uh, new regulatory schemes that we're really we're going to have to be on guard to make sure that we protect the dual banking system, state or national banks, let financial institutions have a choice in terms of how they want to be regulated, which really has served this country extremely well. So it's, it's going to be, uh, you know, rather than piecemeal regulation, I think we're looking at a wholesale change that we have to be very careful that we just don't throw the baby out with the bathwater and, and create, uh, you know, one monolithic system here that, that really hadn't served other countries well at all. It doesn't sound like you're going to retire anytime soon before your 33rd year in banking. I think I'm okay, Tom. I think I think we got enough on the table that they'll keep me busy for a little while longer. Chris, I really appreciate your time and your insight today. You bet. My pleasure. Good to be with you. Hope we do it again. We're talking with Chris Williston, President and CEO of the Independent Bankers Association of Texas. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.